Hey guys, it's Jason Webb. This is the show that highlights local business leaders and the movers and shakers of Minnesota. Welcome to Minnesota Made. What's up, Minnesota? It's Jason Webb. I am doing a virtual podcast via Zoom today with the co-founder of Torin Construction. Lucas Gahn is his name. How you doing, Lucas? Doing well, Jason. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Now, Lucas, um, the word on the street is you guys do the finest in tile and stone installation. Is that true? Yeah, that's what we're trying to live up to every day. Uh, <laughs> All right. All right. Cool, man. That's, that's definitely our benchmark. So, um, you know, I was looking at your website a little bit, and you got a gallery of pictures on here. And, man, that is some pretty sweet stuff. And I seen this fireplace around on there, and it gave me flashbacks to my previous home in which I had a high school friend install some tile for me. And this is his career, man. It was like, this is his full-time job. And overall, he did a good, a good job, right? But uh, there was like this, this diamond pattern on my fireplace around. And you had to stagger the seams and, and uh, try to make the pattern look correct. And uh, all said and done, you know, he installed everything. And at the very bottom of the fireplace, I could tell where the, the pattern got a little wonky. And a guest coming over wouldn't be able to notice it first sight. But as you sit there and watch TV and that, that I guess, misplaced tile pattern at the bottom becomes a little distracting, man. And uh, we just said the hell with it and left it. But, uh, you know, I, so I was checking the patterns on your tile work and gosh darn it, man. It looks like you nailed every one of them. Congratulations on a, on, on a, on a job well done there. Yeah. Thank you. With tile and stone, the thing about finished work like that is, you know, obviously you're looking at it. It's like, wow, this is, it's beautiful. It's, it's an art form, you know, there's so much artistry behind a lot of what we do, but what a lot of people don't realize there's two different things. One, the math behind it. There's so much math in, in order to achieve exactly what you're talking about you have to be able to take into account where every single tile is going to land before you set a single piece of tile. And you have to take into account every joint. You have to literally be able to map everything out before you, you get started. And when you get really good, you're able to walk into a room and start to visualize it. And then the whole process, you, sometimes on some of these bigger jobs, bigger bathrooms and stuff, the first entire day, goes to just doing the math around the room and figuring out where everything's going to land on the walls, where everything's going to land on the floor. So I say, you know, the guys that are real masters of this trade, they're usually the ones that obviously have all the technical skills to carry the jobs through, but have this innate understanding of the mathematics behind it as well. And, you know, there's so much behind the, the tile and the stone itself, the process just to ins just to get to the point of installation, it's something that a lot of people don't really get to see. Everything that goes even behind the tile work, it's it's a complex process. Yeah, I hear you, man. I mean, I've never installed tile myself. I I've known of 
quite a few of my friends who are you know, do-it-yourselfers and uh, the end product, you know, sometimes not the best, but when you're describing all the, all the prep work, it makes me think of painting. I've done plenty of painting and the taping and the putty and, and the sanding and finally getting ready to paint takes longer to me, typically for me than the actual painting itself. So yep. I understand Taking that. Everything off, sanding everything down. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's rewind before you became this tile and stone master. Uh, where did you grow up? Uh, what were you doing before this? And uh, how did Torin construction come about? Sure. So I'm 28 years old right now, and I've I've had a lot happen in the last 28 years. Um, I've I I primarily say I grew up in Forest Lake, but I've lived. I've lived in countless different cities around the state. I've moved a lot. Um, I grew up um, in a family that was in real estate and construction. They've been doing it since the 60s. My grandfather started it back in 1969. And they literally started it in a basement with a typewriter. And my grandfather was a pharmaceutical salesman. And over the years, he became friends with a lot of different doctors and you know people in the medical trades and so what he did was he put together a real estate and construction company and a lot of these guys came out on as partners and so over the course of about 15 years he ended up building one of the biggest real estate and construction companies on the north side of the twin cities wow um he died of a heart attack when he was 64 and my dad took over the company in his mid-20s um, my dad actually started working for the company when he was about 10. Jeez. And um, so my dad took over the company. I was born shortly. I was born very shortly before my dad took over the company. Okay. At, at its peak, there were 300 employees. It was a massive company. And so I grew up in the business and that's what I did. You know, I managed apartments and stuff like that. I started working full-time during the summers and then every day before and after school during high school cleaning apartments and doing maintenance on apartments all around the twin cities and over time you know i gained the respect of a lot of people at the you know when i started out as making minimum wage working a lot of long hours working till midnight some nights and i gained the respect of a, a lot of the other managers and the employees and I slowly started to work my way up in the company until I became, you know, a regional manager. And I, uh, I was managing a bunch of different apartment buildings. You know, I was in charge of leasing, making sure that people were turning in the rent on time, which wasn't always the easiest discussion to have with people, as you can imagine. And make really bringing together the staff at these buildings and giving them like a purpose and a reason to, you know, take great care of these properties, you know, mm -hmm. and helping them look at it as a bit more of something they could really enjoy than just a job. Sure. And with the tenants too, I mean, I, I still letters that some of these tenants would write me, write to me because I would come into to some of these buildings and my focus was, well, I want to make this place 
a place where people are actually really proud to live, you know? Right. And a lot of these, you know, look, you got, let's just say in one building, you have 250 apartments. That's a lot of people living in that community mm-hmm. and everybody's got their own life. Everybody's got their own issues. Everybody's got their own hardships. They got good things going on. They got bad things going on. And when you're helping run a community like that, it's important to a lot of these people that you can frankly just be there for them to talk to because you're dealing with a big portion of their life. It's where they live, you know, and, and maybe they have personal issues going on. Well, at least they should be able to have an environment where they can come work with somebody managing one of these buildings and help them feel more comfortable about the place where they're coming home at the end of every day, or in some cases every morning after they work an overnight. So I did that for a number of years. Uh, you know, I went to a lot of different schools. My family moved me around a lot. I grew up, you know, even though I came from a pretty successful and it, it was very difficult to live in and grow up in for myself and a lot of the brothers and sisters. I'm, I'm the oldest of six kids. I, I went to St. Agnes High School. That's where I graduated from in St. Paul. And after that, I went to the University of St. Thomas. And I initially started to pursue real estate and general business mm-hmm. at St. Thomas, family business. Those, that's what they put me in when I joined. And, you know, I, I liked it. I, it was okay. Herb Towsley, you know, he's a really well-known uh, real estate broker in town. He was teaching a lot of the classes at St. Thomas and it just, it wasn't really grabbing me. I, I ended up taking an entrepreneurship class through the entrepreneurship school at St. Thomas. And it, it was that first class that really started to change my life. Hmm. The professor, his name is Alec Johnson, Professor Alec Johnson. And he was running the entrepreneurship department at St. Thomas at the time. And I, I'm, he may still be, but he was my mentor all the way through college. And I still consider him one of my greatest mentors in business. And he's a nationally renowned professor. And this guy ran his class like he was a professional football coach. He was raw, he was rough, and he had high levels of expectations. And having played four years of varsity football in high school and, and track, you know, I'm like, this is, this, is, this is why I'm here. This is why I wanted to come to college. This is what I was built to do. And we were tasked. Uh, this is the first level entrepreneurship class at St. Thomas. And everybody that goes through this class has to pick a business partner in the class and start a legitimate company in that semester. Cool. And you have to take it through the entire process. And at the end of the semester, they fly in past alumni that are running extremely successful businesses around the country and they'll judge your business. Hmm. And, and so what I decided to do was I started a cigar company. I, I loved, I loved cigars. I was probably, I don't know, 19, 20 years old. Okay. Like I'm talking the nice hand rolled cigars. Yeah. And what I, what I decided to do was I would make my own as a hobby. I would, but I was nowhere near a master. You know, I started talking to people in like Honduras and Nicaragua that, you know, ran the tobacco plantations down there and what they would do is they would let you work with them to develop 
your own rolls of cigars, your own blends of tobacco. And I learned so much about the industry and it's hundreds of years old. And so they'd send up these different samples and I'd work with them and I would try them out. I'm like, well, I really like these ones. And so I called the company Lavera Cigars. Um, there's a bigger story behind the name and everything like that, but I won't get into that. And anyhow, I ran the company. I developed a reputation of being an asshole, excuse my language, <laughs> um, because I was, you know, I was, I was there to win and I was there to do this to the absolute best of my abil- ability. And some of the teammates I had to work with, they didn't really care or have, you know, the same mindset. They, they were going to go work for their family businesses and they didn't really have any sort of motivation. Yeah. So I ended up winning that business competition that year with the company and I would sell the cigars to the country clubs and golf courses, uh, you know, other retailers around the state. And I did that through, through college. Um, and, you know, I continued to, I started to really thrive at that point. And during the summers, I would go back and do real estate with my family, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes throughout the school years of college as well. By the final year at St. Thomas, I, I really worked my way up in, in that department. I actually became good friends with Zachary Quinn, who... Uh, was in the same class as me. He, he developed the company, love your melon. If you're familiar with that company. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, he was in my class at St. Thomas, very successful. And and he graduated from the same department, the entrepreneurship department. I'd highly recommend it for anyone that, you know, is looking to get a good foothold and starting their own business in the future. So many great people. So the entrepreneurship, is it a major at St. Thomas? Is that something you would highly recommend? Uh, Definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They they have some of the best professors you could ask for. At the time, it it was the top third entrepreneurship program in the country, up with Harvard and and Stanford. So I would would definitely recommend it. The, The final semester... They, of my career there, um, they started a new program, which, and I, I was the first of 10 students selected to do this from the school, but they sent us out to Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, California, and they sent us out there for two weeks to start a business and pitch it to a venture capital firm. So while we were out there, we... Um, we went to places like Google, we went to LinkedIn, we met with a number of the executives out there, Mm. learned all about these companies, some that were actually a lot newer, still in like the early funding stages that are now national companies, really cool. And, um, we learned a lot, but the primary reason we were out there was because, so we went to IDEO and the company IDEO is extremely famous in entrepreneurship circles because they have this design think process. And essentially how that works is products are all created off of people's needs. And what this process allows you to do is find somebody, you, you, you interview countless people 
when we were in California, they dropped us off on the streets for eight hours a day. And they said, you're going to go interview as many people as you possibly can. And we don't care who it is. So for me specifically, I, me and my group, what we wanted to do was develop a software that I, I won't get into the details exactly of exactly what it did because I think it's that good of an idea still, but it, it had to do with the living situation in California. And when we started to do this process and we started going to countless strangers over the course of two weeks and asking questions, we were bringing people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s into tears, wow. complete strangers, because we were asking them about what it was like to, you know, to live in the apartments in California. And, and we started to realize this is a huge issue. And what we did then and what the design think process would show you to do would be take the most severe case of all those people you talk to and start developing a product specifically to solve the issue of the person with the deepest issue. Yeah. And, for, and so you create a prototype and you start honing the prototype and you, and then you continue to interview people, you test the prototype until you've developed a product or a service okay. off of that most severe case. And so that's what we learned how to do. We ended up pitching it to a venture capital firm and it was more or less just for school purposes at the yeah. time, but eventually it might be something we, we pick back up, especially with my past in real estate. Yeah. After I graduated from college, I um, went and worked for the family business. That's what I had wanted to do since I was a kid. Mm. I went and got my real estate broker's license and I started doing commercial brokerage, commercial real estate brokerage for the company. So I would buy, sell, and lease retail centers, industrial complexes, apartment buildings, raw land, you name it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, between my previous career since I was 16 and up through the age of 25, I did about $30 million in transactions for my clients, which is pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, I, worked, I, I got to do some really cool deals too. I did, I worked with Topper's Pizza, uh, State Farm. I worked with the family business. It's a national company and they own hundreds and hundreds of newspaper companies all around the country. And they also own Camping World. And they're, at the time they were going through a big transition with Gander Mountain and all that real estate and Firestone and stuff like that. So it was it was a great time uh, while it lasted, you know, again, working for a family business, very, very difficult, especially, you know, with the background I gave you previously, it came to a point where I had to make a decision uh, that I, I knew was the right decision and I had to step away hmm. and a lot, a lot more happened, but I'm not going to get into that today. Okay. Long story short, while I was, you know, getting my real estate career up and off the ground, I kind of reunited with an old friend, a couple of years younger than me. He was one of 11 kids. Wow. And um, 
his oldest sister actually used to watch me and my little brothers and sisters. And we lived across the street from each other for a little while. I was renting a house. He was renting a house. And at nighttime, after work, you know, he would be coming home. I'd be coming home. And I'd go over to his place. And we'd sit outside and talk about what he did during the day and what I was doing. And he basically left home at age 17. This is Charlie, my business partner. Mm -hmm. And started traveling the country doing tile. And he was doing it for, you know, pretty large commercial contracts like Lifetime Fitness, Arby's, uh, Chipotle's, a lot of hotels, stuff like that. Sure. With the company he was with. And by the time I started talking to him, he was working with the union uh, at a pretty big shop in town. His dad works there. His brothers work there. Charlie's a, a third generation tile and stone mason. His grandfather did it. His brothers do it. His father does it. And my background was commercial construction and real estate. And we started just kicking this idea around because we couldn't help ourselves. We're like, well, what if we, because I knew Charlie was good. I knew he's really good, especially for his age, because he was only 18 years old when we were starting to have this discussion. Mm. And maybe 19, but um, long story short, I said, well, you know, what we should do, I'll bring my connections to the table and the two of us will bring the right guys to the table and let's go do some of like the nicest stonework out on like the West side of town. Let's, let's, let's find the people that can really make this stuff come to life and help us make it come to life and, and let's do it. And at the time, it was nothing more than a discussion. But when the time came and I left my family's company, uh, shortly afterwards, you know, I was trying to figure out what to do. And I knew I was an entrepreneur and I knew I needed to either work somewhere or start something which would allow me to be creative, you know, work as hard as I do, feel completely satisfied by the end of the day, you know, Mm-hmm. And, and and it wouldn't keep me in a box. And yeah. I was actually working downtown Minneapolis for a little while doing some financial advising. And Charlie became one of my clients. And I was not enjoying working downtown. Mm-hmm. And I followed him out of the building. And I said, let's start this construction company that we talked about a few years ago. Yeah, And he said... Cause I knew he wanted to start a business too at the time. And he said, let's do it. So, um, we, we just pulled the trigger and we started it. And at the time, you know, we probably had like one job lined up, <laughs> you know, we, we were working as hard as we could every day to put a good business plan together. We would meet constantly to try to like hone the mission, the vision, exactly what we were going to do. Mm-hmm. But for every business starting out, at least in most cases, the issue is always, well, okay, we got a great product or service to offer, but we need people to consume it, you know? Right. So like, okay, I got to get some clients in the door. That's my job. I'm a salesman. Okay. So, you know, we're, we're working every day, working really hard. I start reaching out to some relationships to see if I can, you know, 
drum up some work. And one of my one of my good friends, he's a painter. He's been running a painting company for five years, and he's worked for this company uh, out in Edina. You might want to. I think you'd enjoy bringing him on the show sometimes. Brad and Heather Fox with Fox Homes. Okay. And um, they uh, they've been doing real estate on the uh, south side of Minneapolis, kind of the west side of town for a long time, husband, wife, couple, and they got a big team. Well, anyhow, my painter buddy said, well, hey, they just landed a contract with HGTV and maybe you want to reach out to them and see if they need some good subcontractors. And I said, well, absolutely. Um, let's, let's make that happen. So we ended up reaching out and lo and behold, uh, we were one of the first people to show up beyond site with Brad and Heather to get this show rolling. And the show was called stay or sell. And what we did for the next year was we, Charlie, it was just Charlie and I to start out with. And we, we worked around the clock and we demoed these houses from top to bottom we, I kid you now when I say it was negative 20 degrees, there's no heat. And we're taking these houses down from the roof to the studs and the main kitchen floor Jeez. and by ourselves. Wow. And, you know, and keep in mind, we're a tile and stone company, right? So but yeah. we'll do anything to get this business off the ground. Like we were willing to do anything. Yeah. And so we started out by doing that. And there was so much work going on. But we started engaging with a couple of good guys that Charlie had worked with in the past, other good tile and stone masons that he had traveled the country with. Um, and they started coming on board before you knew it. Like there were four of us and we started, at, you know, once all the houses had been demoed, started rolling into the tail work and a lot of that started coming about. They would, they would rig us up with, lapel mics and stuff like that during the day and it was it was it was something else you know it was cool. a crazy experience so how long did um, that last and yeah who, it was a lot of fun who was paying your who was paying your your bills was that hgtv were they paying you or no, was it it's interesting how it works and i'm sure it's different for every show and every contractor mm. but in this scenario the homeowners contract with the general contractor, in, in which case it would be Fox Homes. Mm -hmm. And they'd go about it just like any other remodel. They would either pay for the remodel in cash or they would take out a loan, which is usually the case for larger remodels. Okay. And so the general contractor would be in charge of working with the clients yeah. in order to obtain funds and pay the subcontractors. However, there was an agreement between HGTV and the general contractor as well. If that makes sense. Okay. So that, and you know, that was a question I had always had over the years watching the shows and stuff, yeah. but so I, I'm sure were, there are a few shows. Yeah. And you're doing more than just the tile work. You're doing the renovations where you doing framing and everything else, or were they having other subs doing like the drywall or, and all that? Yeah, there were other subs as well. Number quite a few other subs, but in the end of the day, 
they, we were doing a little bit of everything. We were we were putting the roof trusses up. We were helping people haul. We and we were staging. We were staging furniture at the very end for the cameras to come in with the homeowners. I kid you not. Like we we helped out doing a little bit of everything. Um, and so, but yeah, there were a lot of other great subs on the show too. And um, we still talk to them and see them around town on a lot of other jobs. And long story short, that that was a big part of us getting the company off the ground. Mm-hmm. We were all reaching out to other people at the time. Um, and then Charlie and I started reaching out to some of the other bigger builders in town. I saw that you had, is it Gary Kramer on? Oh, yeah. Episode? Yep. So we haven't started working with Kramer and Sons yet, but we do a lot of work with Streeter, Custom Builder, um, Revision and Stonewood, and they've been around a long time. Um, we work with probably 30 different contractors now. Wow. And um, so what we love to do is, and the reason a lot of guys joined this team is we want, we really want to be the finest in tile and stone. We run this company like a military. The people that come here to work are not just here for a paycheck. They have a very distinct purpose. This, the company gives them a reason to live. And I think that's what's missing from a lot of companies right now is that the, the culture, you know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody that works here, I mean, we're all friends. We all take care of each other. We're, you know, we're there to, to pick each other up. We're about individual betterment. It goes back to, again, like what I drew from football growing up. Um, you know, it's a football team. We hold each other accountable and we push each other to be better every single day. And the trade itself, the the production of the work, that's more or less a means to an end. Mm. It's, it really does come down to the group. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I mean, where we really thrive is, is doing things that a lot of other people can't do and don't have the capability of doing. Okay. In regards to custom stonework and tile work and stuff like that. Charlie, Charlie, for being as young as he is, he he really has a gift. I would liken him to a young quarterback or a goalie, maybe you'd see in the NHL. Some like for his age, he's he's a prodigy. He really is. He he's got a, a serious talent. And that's really allowed us to propel forward. And then my coupling with the business experience, I think, I think that's really what's allowed us to do what we've done up to this point. And I think we've positively affected a lot of people's lives. I think we've, we've dramatically helped out a lot of these contractors we work for Mm -hmm. because now they have a reliable company to depend on when they're doing hundreds of bathrooms, you know, and they know we're we're responsible. We're showing up. We take ourselves seriously. We take we're fantastic representatives of our clients when they're not there on the site. You know what I mean by that? Right. Well, sadly, the construction industry has just been dogged for the last forty years yeah. or longer, fifty years. 
And everyone's like, well, go to a college so that you don't have to go into the trades. Well, I hate to say it, but that's partially the school's fault and it's partially the trade's fault. Sure. Because I think that the trades have been, have done a terrible job at representing themselves mm. over the last 40, 50 years. Right. The way it used to be in the early 1900s and beforehand is you would go to work in a suit if you worked as a Mason or anyone else and you'd take your suit off and your leather shoes and then you would put on your construction uniform and you would work and you would get dirty. And so we, we even have, we, we have a cleanliness award that we're actually like implementing this year. We do like annual gatherings and stuff like that. And we take it very seriously. Like we show up, we're presentable, we're clean cut. We don't smell bad, <laughs> which it's, it's all the stigmas. It's all the stigmas of construction over the last 50 years. We're wiping that out. We're saying this is done. And we're, we're going to herald in, like our mission is to herald in the next generation of construction. You know what I mean? It's going to look a lot different than what everybody has known over the last 50 years. We're going to completely redesign it. And what it's going to be is it's going to be, well, first of all, it's going to be one of, to be in the trades will be one of the highest demand jobs you can do really any trade at this point. Mm-hmm. And these people are going to be perceived and treated like the people that we've been holding to such a high esteem over the past 50 years. Sure. I, I, I want my guys looked at like they're a surgeon because, and to be honest with you, their skill set is probably going to be just as rare if it's not already hmm. the, in the tile industry alone, we're losing five to 8% depending on the year of our tile setters and stonemasons on an annual basis. And they're being replaced by less than 2% wow. on an annual basis. Wow. It's, it's critical. We're in a, we're at a critical breaking point right now. And this isn't the only trade that has these statistics. It's a lot of them, not to mention that there's a window time on those statistics, which is about 10 years because the average age of these tile and stonemasons is already between like 50 and 60 years old. Mm. And most of these people aren't setting tile past the age of 60. Gotcha. So I think that there needs to be a far larger focus on development of the trades and, and how the, how tradesmen are treated a real a new look at their value. And yeah, that's just a big part of what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to push this forward and, and we're going to try to have this effect spread across as many trades as possible. Yeah, that's great, man. So it sounds like you're through your company and the expectations you're setting for yourself and your, your, your team, uh, you're trying to raise the standard on how the, uh, blue collar or tradesmen are, are perceived by the general public. And uh, I guess that reminds me, you know, I checked out your Facebook page and on your Facebook page, you, you have a sentence that says, I'm dedicated to making the world a better place through business development. And I feel like that kind of ties together with what you're just talking about there. Is that true? I'd say so. I think, you know, I've had that up on my Facebook probably for it's been years now. And like, I, 
I pretty much found that purpose when I was back at St. Thomas, Mm. like when I was in the entrepreneurship program, like I knew that at that point, this, this is going to be my calling. And as many people as I can give opportunity to through, through developing businesses. I mean, that's, that's what I want to do, you know? Yeah, that's great, man. Okay, so let's uh, talk a little bit more about the business, Torn Construction. First of all, how'd you come up with that name, Torn? So I'm 75% Irish. Okay. And I can actually, I've, I won't talk about it today, but I have like, there's this huge story about my lineage. It goes all the way back to Oliver Cromwell invading Ireland. Okay. But anyhow, it's the Gaelic word for chieftain. That's what Torn means. Okay. And what we do is we, we run this like a tribe. If you remember me talking about the culture just a few minutes ago, yeah. that's really how we run this. I mean, it, it's, these guys are ferocious. They're some of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, but I've had other contractors that have come from the military. So as Charlie approaches and say, are you guys like a military based company? Like, were you guys, did you guys come up with your systems based on that? No. But I mean, every, like, I'm talking brotherhood, I'm talking loyalty, I'm talking, you you take care of each other and you take care of the clients and you see the job through, like, that's what we're all about. Wow, that's cool, man. And Torn Construction, you specialize in tile and stone. And did you work both on the residential and commercial side? Yeah, we do. So we do a lot of custom homes. That's primarily what we do. We're doing a lot of stuff on like the parade of homes, artisan home tour, luxury home tour, stuff like that. And then on the commercial side, we do, uh, you know, apartment buildings. We're just wrapping one up in Plymouth, actually two, one in Golden Valley and uh, one in Plymouth right now. There were about 200 apartments in the Plymouth one. Uh, We did a, a New Horizon Academy daycare a while ago. Uh, some work there. Um, so yeah, a little bit of both. And uh, we're doing some developments too. We're doing on the north side of the cities, we're working with a contractor and he's really starting to develop more communities like in Hugo, Isanti, even up in Brainerd. And he's doing probably probably 300 new homes. Oh, so nice. we're doing we're doing a lot of work with him too. Good, good. Mm-hmm. And on your website, uh, which, by the way, is tornconstruction.com, Torin is spelled T-O-R-I-N. And when you click on our work, you know, some of the major categories, you have pictures of here, say kitchens, bathrooms, fireplaces, mudrooms, laundry rooms, custom design. But basically, uh, do you do exterior work, too? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, You know, we do some we do some exterior fireplaces. We do tile and stone pavers outside, exterior stonework on houses. Uh, we're doing one. It's a pretty big exterior stone job over in uh, St. Louis Park right now. And I'm really excited to see how that one turns out. Sometimes yeah. it's really unique stuff too. Like it's fire pits or it could be anything really, you know? Yeah. And so it sounds like you get a lot of your, your work through general contractors, custom home builders, that type of thing. But uh, you're also working directly with the homeowner, directly with the client too, aren't you? Yep. Yeah. It's a combination of the two for sure. 
Okay. So a good client or a good uh, person for you to talk to would be a custom home builder, would be a homeowner looking to renovate or add some tile work. It could be a commercial type building business owner, again, looking for some type of tile or stone work. Anybody else would be a, a, you know, a good person for you to talk to or a good client for you? Is that about it? it even more importantly, uh, you know, good guys, good guys who are looking to, I don't care if you've even worked in the trades or not. Like I'll, I will make a personal investment in, in seeing people that are looking for a purpose in their life and want to join a team of other people that are hardworking and dedicated and want to make a serious difference. When you really get into it and you start seeing those daily progressions, you know, and, and you see the success and what I tell the people that come here too, there's, there's no cap. What I tell people is make your own way, make your own success. Let us give you all the tools that you need. But in the end of the day, make that conscious decision on your own to grow at whatever pace you're willing to push yourself to grow. Mm-hmm. And we'll see to it that there's a direct reflection on that growth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Pay just whatever, whatever, whatever it might be, you know, we're, we're really looking to help people see through not only uh, career growth, but I want to see personal growth too. I want to see, I want to see things knocked off people's lists that they've wanted personally or for their family their whole life. Yeah. You know, just as importantly as, as people, you know, looking to have work done, I need, I need more good guys. It's a bigger team now. I, I think by the end of this month, there'll probably be close to 20 of us. Wow. So, you know, I come join the team, you know, come join a group of people that, will be your friends. They'll take care of you and you're going to accomplish some really cool stuff with over the years. So, yeah, that, that's a great message, man. I mean, I know somebody at the top of my head that I think I uh, should give you a call. I mean, I'll, I'll have a conversation with them and see how it goes, but um, all right. You know, to bring this thing home, is there anything else that you wanted to cover that we didn't mention uh, during this conversation we're having? Um, you know, I think, uh, I think that covers most of it. Okay, <laughs> There's a lot, but, I think that is a good synopsis of everything. So, yeah, is the cigar business say, still around? Oh, what's that? Is the cigar business still around? No, it's not. But what I do uh, every now and then is I'll still order some up for myself. Okay. And if anyone mentioned that they wanted one, you know, I'll buy some extras and you know give them as a gift. So, gotcha. if I'll just, if do you ever smoke cigars or no? Yeah, yeah, every once in a while. Yeah, I never had a good one. I've smoked the cheap Swisher sweets in the past. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to try one of these. These are these are amazing. Like, not not to get too off topic, but my favorite ones have this. The it's a Maduro wrapper, and the Maduro wrapper is like the darker wrapper. And notoriously, those the darker cigars tend to knock people over okay. <laughs> a lot quicker. They're they're a little heavier, but yeah. these in particular, they were a lighter cigar, which was odd for one with a darker leaf. And you could really taste this earthiness, like almost like a, co- a coffee or a chocolate taste. 
in the leaf. Oh, cool. And it all comes down to the soil, you know, huh. and the soil and all of these different countries and the humidity. Yeah. It's all so different. And it, you could, you could grow a Cuban seed in Cuba and you could grow it in Nicaragua, which was, I believe what was happening for a long time. And a, a Nicaraguan cigar with a Cuban seed is going to taste a lot different than a Cuban cigar with the Cuban seed made in Cuba. Interesting. And yeah. It's so my favorite ones were from Honduras and they had a darker leaf and you could get all that just rich taste in it, yeah. but it was still light enough and smooth enough. So if you didn't smoke regularly, yeah. you could just enjoy it. You, even if you had never really smoked before, huh. so it was fan- I'll try to grab some for you and send them your way. But Awesome. Appreciate it. Okay, guys. So let, let's bring this thing home. I am uh, speaking with Lucas Gon, the co-founder of Torin Construction. Their website is torinconstruction.com. Again, that's spelled T-O-R-I-N. They specialize and take great pride in tile and stone installation, both in residential and commercial interior and exterior. So if you are a custom home builder, a business owner, or for your own home, give these guys a shout, check out their website. They got some beautiful pictures on there. And uh, also, if you are looking for a job, looking to work with a team of guys that will invest in you to not only do a good end product at work, but to better your life, and uh, help take you to the next level. Give these guys a shout. Lucas, I appreciate your time. Um, I think you're well on your way to some greatness here, man. And I wish you all the luck. Thank you, Jason. I was so glad that you guys reached out and you took the time to talk to me. And um, it was great, great speaking with you today. And I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening, guys. That's it, guys. If you know of a Minnesota business leader or a mover and shaker that you feel would be a great guest, please have them go to minnesotamadepodcast.com and have them apply for the show. Thanks for listening, Minnesota.